Hey, security peeps, we are live with another edition of Breaking Into Cybersecurity. I'm Renee Small, cybersecurity super recruiter, helping to, well, I guess cybersecurity awareness month is over, so I'm not helping to demystify cybersecurity careers anymore, but I'm back on Monday. It's Mondays with Dan. Say hi to everybody, Dan. How's it, how are you all doing today? I think everybody is well. So we are going to kick it off today talking about performance. And it is November 2nd. There are less than 60 days to the end of the year. I know I, for one, and many other people are currently thinking about, you know, end of the year goals or what we set for ourselves at the beginning of the quarter, beginning of the year, and what is coming down to now. Um, and so, Dan, we're going to take today talk about performance. Okay. And the big question is, what does your wish list look like? Right. So th these are the, you know, it's very interesting that uh, when, when I work with senior executives and people put together development plans for them, when it comes down to one-on-one, -on -one, they say, here's what I need. Here's what I want to have happen. And I always ask people a question. What do you have happen right now? What do you need to have happen right now that's not happening? And what's in the way of it happening? What's in the way of it? What's stopping it from happening? Some of the things are, are easily identified. Others are not. And Renee and I for, for years have been dealing with the invisible blocks to people's success, people who block you, uh, philosophies that block you. But I thought what it might be interesting is to go through some of the things that executives ask for on their wish list and uh, talk about them a bit. So, you know, they talk about increasing concentration. I need to increase my concentration. And my question is, okay, what gets in the way of your, your concentration? Well, I get distracted. And then the question comes back, what distracts you? And, and it, it's, it becomes incumbent on people who want to really do well quickly is to identify early anything that distracts them. And we have a great example of distraction and you could try it right now. Sit up straight in your chair, start to move your right foot clockwise round and round, round and round, round and round, round and round. While it's going round and round with your right hand, throw a big number six in the air. And you'll notice that your foot goes backwards. So what that indicates is that you can't afford one second of distraction if you want to perform at your best. Now, yeah, that's like my favorite uh, exercise. I know. So, but the question comes, you know, the question comes back to who uses this? To who is it really, really important that they, uh, they identify their distractions? Well, certainly, you know, I, I said to a hockey goaltender one time, what's it like when you perform at your best? He says, well, I don't hear any crowds. The puck is the size of a dinner plate and the game moves very slowly. And uh, he said, when any one of those three things change, I know I'm losing my concentration. And I said, okay, what, what do you do then? He said, well, I hope that it comes back. And Renee and I have talked about for years, hope is not a strategy. I hope I get the right person. I hope I recruit the right cybersecurity person. That's not the same as finding somebody who can help you do it. You're going to do it all by yourself. You're going to do it with somebody else. But the way to uh, 
shut that down in a way to increase your concentration is very interesting. Just look up and focus intently on the upper right-hand corner of your laptop screen. And use your, imagine your eyes are lasers, you're focusing on that corner and become aware of something out of your left peripheral vision, become aware of something out of your right peripheral vision, and then get all those three things together. And when you have all three things together, what you'll discover is you can't think of anything. So when you want to bring yourself right back into what you're concentrating on, all you have to do is expand your peripheral vision right and left. So who uses it? it people use it all the time. People who use it don't talk about it. This is a very powerful competitive edge strategy tied in with some other things that we do to give somebody control over their mind game. So, Dan, when a person is looking from the left side, so when, when, when we just did that exercise and you can't think of anything else, is that to jolt you out of the distraction so that you can refocus yeah, it, it, it moves the distraction out of the way. It makes the distraction less critical, and it brings you back into what you're dealing with. Yeah. For the hockey goaltender, he's looking at the puck. But for somebody else, it depends what, what they're trying to accomplish. The folk, it, it's important for people who have to study, mm-hmm. who have to concentrate, or people who think they can multitask. That example shows you that you can't multitask. You don't do one thing well at a time. That is true. And so the question is, how do you come from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next? People who do that really well are football quarterbacks. You know, they'll send out a bunch of people on a play, and they just scan the scan the horizon, scan the field, and their subconscious mind tells them where to throw the ball. Yeah. So, Dan, let's shout a couple people out before we continue. Sure. Philip Wells, hello. He says, good day, Renee and Dan. Hi, Philip. And Sefer, my friend, he says he's late, but hello. Hello. Happy to see you here. So go ahead, Dan. Continue on with so ways to not be distracted. What, what else comes down the line is for them is to uh, uh, control things that would distract them. So what distracts you? Uh, emotion distracts you. Uh, I work with some people who are, currency traders who tell me that emotion, when they feel emotion in a trade, they know they're in trouble. And that's the same thing. People think that, you know, they can, that anger works for them, empowers them, but it doesn't. Anger distracts. Uh, I have a client who is an ultramarathon runner. She runs the Bad Water, which is 135 miles through Death Valley. In the first 10 miles of her, the last race we worked on, she, uh, one of her support crew made a mistake that could have gotten her disqualified. She got very angry and she said, Dan, I carried anger for 120 miles. And she says, it drained me. So it's, it's what impacts you negatively. It's becoming more self-aware. Um, and, and why do you do that? You do it because uh, it's going to block you from getting to where you want to go. So what's the dream? What's your dream? Where do you want to be? And that's why we work backwards. And we've talked about this for years. Uh, every one of my clients today is in 2025 working backwards. Um, and this is not goal setting. This is dreaming. 
because you start to use your subconscious mind to accomplish what you want. When you do that exercise with the peripheral vision over and over and over and over again in a variety of situations, it moves into your subconscious mind. And then you'll just find it happening without you even thinking about it. And that's what the issue is here, is how do you get high-performance strategies into your subconscious mind and use them to work for whatever you're trying to do? Now, there's no doubt in my mind that much of what the people on this call do to protect their company is subconscious. They just, without even thinking about it, they know it. And so it's it's the level of unconscious competence that we've talked about before. What do you do really well that uh, you're not even aware that you do? And how do you maximize that for your current job, for managing people, for transitioning, for training the people underneath you, for mentoring people? All of those things become important. But none of it has to do with cybersecurity. It all has to do with mental performance. Right. So I don't care whether you're a triathlete triathlete, or you're a golfer or you're a football player or you're somebody trying to negotiate a contract. I mean, I spoke to a guy the other day. And, and you know, what? What kind of, we talked about mistakes. And this is a very interesting diversion. Uh, I said to the guy, give me an example. He's... He's a project manager for huge real estate projects. And he said, you know, when people put a team together, which Renee helps people put teams together, when they put a team together, uh, sometimes the wrong people assemble a team. And he said, so, you know, you may have a lawyer who's very good at what he does, but may not be the best one at a lease. So I said to him, give me one example. He said, well, I said, well, there's a very famous restaurant in New York that he was helping with renovating and and doing the construction work on. And the owner of the restaurant said, I'm going to sign the lease and then you can start. He said, don't sign the lease without me looking at it. He says, no, 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 no. My lawyer drew the lease up. And my friend said, let me see the lease first. He says it was a 200 page lease. And he looked through it. He says, the only change you need to make is add the word latent into the into the script when he entered entered the word latent in to the contract it saved his client a hundred and fifty thousand dollars one word so what's what's the value of the word latent and it comes back to everything that we talk about with with cybersecurity people uh, people don't know what you know they don't know how to ask the right questions um, and so, you know, it's, it's helping people to identify, uh, personal strategic plans, what gets in the way, what blocks them. Yeah. But, but the key issue is how do you interact with somebody to get them to understand how important it is to not deal with you when you're not, when they're not dealing with you, what does it cost not to hire an A? What did it cost not to hire my friend or not to let him review the lease? Right. $150,000. So, you know. One word. One one word. One word in one paragraph. And so I'm sure there are situations that you all could write about 
jot us a note about or talk about or ask a question about, well, you've done exactly the same thing. And clearly and possibly saved a lot more than $150,000. I know that if we put that question out, which I, I, I'm actually going to do that today. I'm going to put that question out there um, because I can almost guarantee that a huge percentage of the population that's watching this has saved people so much money. Right. Um, so I can't imagine. I, I, I would love to see the different stories that and the numbers that show up um, when we put that out there. So I'm definitely going to sure. put that out. Sure. And, that, and you know, in, in reality, that's a way to uh, uh, to increase, to answer a question we asked a couple of weeks back. Uh, how do you let people know when you're interviewing that they need you? Not somebody like you, you. I was with my tech guy here yesterday, and, and I, he did some absolutely amazing work for me. And I said to him, you know, you're amazing what you did. I said, you need to understand why God made your arms so long. <laughs> he said, why God made? I said, so you could pat yourself on the back from time to time. But it's very hard because a lot of what we talk about is invisible. A lot of the things that I help people discover about moving forward or negotiations that are invisible. It's invisible to them. Not invisible when somebody else is looking at it, but invisible to them. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's the black swans. What comes in, it doesn't belong there. You don't expect it. You're not looking for it. That's, you know, I'm, I can't believe there's not a, a book in, in just the people who are on this call. And so it's how do you how do you sell yourself to somebody? How do you make sure that your clients are asking the right questions? How do you understand that your level of knowledge is intimidating to people uh, because you just know stuff that they don't know? And it comes back to the concept of selling mistakes. What, what does it cost somebody uh, not to buy mistakes that other people have made? Why would I ever want to buy a mistake? Well, it's a lot cheaper to buy somebody else's than it is to make it yourself. Than that $150,000 one-word mistake. Right. And, and, you know, people, when you hear people pitch themselves and talk about themselves, I provide solutions. <laughs> Well, you know, if you have the mistake first and you don't make it, you don't need to pay for the solution. So it's, it's how do you, and I've, I've told this story, I think it was classic, we asked a couple of weeks back, we said, you know, what keeps you up at night? Guy says, nothing. He said, I sleep like a baby. He said, I sleep for two hours and I'm up crying and I sleep for another two hours and I'm up crying. But what we talked about was, you know, who's not up crying? The guy who hired you. Right. The yeah, guy the CISO, the CISO's crying, the first CISO, but right. the CEO and the CTO and whoever else is, whoever he reports to is sleeping right. all night. So, you know, people, people talk about, 
You know, there's a wonderful book called Selling the Invisible. It's an old book. I can remember it from years ago. We even talked about it when we started working together. But are you really letting people know what you're really selling? Phil says, Philip says, interesting in concept. One word can make a difference. $150,000, Dan. Right. So it, but it, it's, and, and the contract was drawn by somebody who was really good at drawing contracts, but not good at construction project management. This guy's got a huge project offshore. And all he's doing is putting together the right people and making sure they're asking the right questions. Uh, but he's absolutely invaluable. Plus, he's an expert witness. I've helped him work on being an, an expert witness for construction. So, you know, this is the kind of guy you want, but people don't know that. You just can't go to the yellow pages. You know, <laughs> you know it, it was interesting. I was, I was at a meeting, and uh, a CPA I know was saying how uh, a new client he got had a $40,000 tax penalty. And he said, I said to him, well, how could that happen? He said, well, his previous CPA had to deal with a particular issue. And he told him he thought he could do it. Thinking you can do it is not the same as knowing you can do it. You know, it's like you, you, you don't want to go to an orthopedist if you have a broken hand and have him say, oh, I think I can fix this. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. So... So it's the language, and, and you'll feel you're right. It's one word, but what's the play on it? Yeah. So what we're about here and what I'm about is helping people get competitive edge strategies and move forward and arrange and, and design these kind of conversations before they need them. Yeah. Dan, you talked about the emotion, emotional aspect, which I know the hot emotions are raging right now. Um, any any ideas, tips, um, recommendations in that space? Sure. Uh, I think the thing is when you take that's you, that's those people calling you again, Renee. Started <laughs> late. I know. <laughs> they knew where you were, but but you know the the thing is is that. It's you being able to step back and take a look at what's going on. So it's almost being able to overhear the conversations you have with yourself. Uh, so I would use Renee as an example. What is Renee hear Renee saying to Renee when Renee overhears Renee talking to Renee? So it's like an outer body experience. It's like you're stepping yeah. outside yeah. of yourself. You, you step outside of yourself and you listen to the conversations. And then when you hear yourself saying something, you don't say, oh, I shouldn't be talking that way about myself. What you need to do is use it as an experiment and sit back and say, okay, who's around me? What do I have to confront that I'm coming up on in the next couple of, uh, in the next couple of hours or days? or what, what, what generated it? And that way you will know before you go into that situation that that's a potential. You know, I have a great story. I was in Geneva with Hewlett Packard. And it was a guy there who runs Ireland for Hewlett Packard. And he said to me, uh, he said, somebody told me you work with golfers. He said, I'm going into a golf tournament. Can I talk to you? I said, sure. So he said to me, I'm, there's only three of us. 
in his club. He said, I'm a three handicap. The other two guys are scratch golfers. And he said, I'm afraid I'm going to get intimidated or embarrassed by, in the club and all of that kind of stuff. And so he said, how can you help me? I said, well, I can help you control the way you talk to yourself. He said, that's ridiculous talking to myself. He said, you know, uh, he said, that, that, so, and I was leaving for New York and we were going to be on phone calls once a week for the next two months. So he said to me, the first phone call he made, he said, you're not going to believe what happened. I said, surprise me. <laughs> he, said, he said, I was going to a multi-million dollar negotiation for my division. He says that on the way there, I could hear myself saying, these guys have a lot more experience. They're going to embarrass you. That, 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 that. He said it was the same conversation I was having with myself that I was having with the golf thing. So now we need to work on self-talk for both of them. And if anybody has this negative self-talk that they hear themselves beating themselves up, I and Renee knows this, I was talking to, talking to people that we worked with. I said, you, if you're working with me, you need my permission to beat the crap out of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you, can't, you can't just go about doing it. But if you hear this negative self-talk, how do you control it? The first yeah. thing you do is push your tongue up at the roof of your mouth. And it will stop instantly. Whatever the contaminating conversation is that you hear yourself having with yourself. Put your tongue up on the roof of your mouth and it'll stop instantly. Now, you know, the best part is knowing you can shut it off because if you leave it play, it's like getting in your car and somebody else sets the radio station to music you absolutely hate and you leave it on for a four hour trip. No, no you don't do that. But it's, and then to keep it, and the other thing to keep in mind is everything that we're talking about here is going on with people you're talking to, people who you manage, people who you're recruiting, people who you report to, people who they report to. And sometimes we've discovered that uh, delivering the right message structured correctly to the right group of people can accomplish an awful lot that's really not expected. When you start mm -hmm. to get in on the things that really concern people. Yeah. A couple comments came through. Robert says proactive versus reactive mindset. I love it. Right. And that, Melody says absolutely. And she's talking to Robert. Well, you know, you know, you you're right. But the thing is, is that proactive requires preparation for competition. You have to, you have to, my, my strategy, and you can take this any way you like it, but it really works. You have to profile the person you're talking to. You know, I have an individual, and anybody who wants to profile, send me an email, I'll send you the profile. It's single, married, divorced, separated, gay, straight, how they communicate, what their background is, what they need to have happen, what their position is in the company, where do they want to go in their next move, so it really all turns down to the individual because that's really all they're concerned about. Mm -hmm. When I talk about people who sell mistakes, uh, look at the mistakes that their clients made before they became your client, and what those mistakes cost them in money, emotion, and reputation. Money, it's, it's got to be astronomical with the people on this call. Emotion, you know, somebody who's looking to move up within a company 
makes the wrong call, clicks on the wrong thing. And then reputation, it's their reputation going forward. So it's, it's important that people understand that, that these things are all invisible and it has nothing to do with, it has to do with the mind game of the people you're dealing with. Totally, absolutely does. I think the mind game is so important. Um, it's the most important thing. People don't realize that the mindset part is just so, so critical to everything else. Sure. And all that's all you do. I mean, everything you talk oh, about. That's right. And, it, and you know, it, tr it really transcends every, every uh, aspect of this. I just sent a note out to somebody today who runs triathlons. And we broke down. And if anybody here is, runs triathlons, just shoot me a note. I'll send you this tri-survey. So, um, you know, it's really having somebody look at the three events that they have to run, how they talk to themselves. Uh, Clifford is right. You, your mindset shows through your physical presence. That's right. Body language is very, very important today. Mm-hmm. However, what's going on today is, is that people are restricted from taking that, using that advantage because a lot of this is on Zoom calls. Yeah. So how do you come across on a Zoom call? How do you protect somebody with that kind of information? Right. So what happened with the triathlon? He, uh, we went through uh, each aspect of the triathlon. We looked at the swim portion the bike portion and the, and the marathon portion. And so it was ha looking at each one of those to find out what the internal conversation was that the person was having with themselves about that event before they got into it. So they would know and wait. They, they knew how to deal with what was going on. But the best part about this whole situation that we're talking about here is that you, you can stop negative and contaminating performance issues just in seconds, if you know how to do it. And we just did this, the strategies here today. So it's how do you not let those things get in your way? And then we talk about identifying subconscious blocks. What gets in the way? What, what do you see that's not there? So I, I mean, I have a guy who's a real estate developer and I helped him with some negotiation strategies that he's dealing with. And he said to me, I'm a 12 handicap golfer, but I can't play well 50 yards in. But not all the time, just sometimes. We discovered that the only time he can't play well 50 yards in is when he's playing against somebody who makes more money than he does. This mm -hmm. guy buys seven figures. So the question is, is that what does he have to do before he plays these people? Really, he has to understand their wealth and he has to talk to himself differently about that. And we, use, and we use hypnosis with uh, professional athletes uh, and people who want to perform really well to get these concepts into your subconscious mind quickly. Because yeah. one of the biggest obstacles, Renee, is impatience. People just are not patient. And a professional athlete probably takes three to four months before these concepts get into their subconscious mind without them even thinking about it. And when you say three to four months, is that three to four months uh, 
working on this daily, working with you once a week, twice a week? Well, so I have a variety of offerings for people, but, uh, you know, some people talk to me once a month, twice a month, or four times a month. Mm -hmm. But what I used to do using football as an example, uh, when the, uh, and Chad Pennington, quarterback for the Jets and Dolphins, wrote the forward to my book, uh, we would get the uh, NFL schedule and we go down the list of teams that they would be playing. And I'd say, give me the first word that comes to your mind when we mention this team. And he'd give me that word and we'd find out how he was talking to himself about that. Mm. And the other thing is, what do you bring into the environment that doesn't belong there? I mean, what what is what does somebody bring into the workplace that doesn't belong there that's distracting? What does somebody bring onto a, a soccer field or a football field into a pool that makes that that's distracting? And how do you become aware enough about it to leave it outside? Yeah. The ultra marathon runner that I talked about, we developed a trunk card. It's a little card like an index card. Mm-hmm. Right on the card, anything that's going on in your life that could be distracting to you while you're going into this event, and you put it in a trunky car, you slam the trunk, and you come back to that card when your day is finished. And your subconscious mind, when you do it enough, will let you uh, transfer the time to another time. Right. So, so when she slams that trunk, that's in there until she opens it back up. Right. Now, here's the key. If you, this will work as long as she goes back and opens it up and reads what's there and deals with whatever these issues were. But if you don't go back, <laughs> your subconscious mind says, sorry, pal, I gave you a shot at this and you blew it. <laughs> you know, so, and, and it, it's, um, it's the same thing like worry. Everybody talks about uh, how much worrying is, what worry bothers. I have a worry strategy. And we talk, we tell, talk. Tell them the worry strategy. I love this one. You take, you pick a time of day, let's say from 5 to 5.15 at night, when you do absolutely nothing but worry. So let's say you wake up in the morning and you're worrying, you go 5, 5, 5, 5, 5. Your subconscious mind will let you put the worry off until you, but you have to show up in the corner to worry about stuff. <laughs> but but as, as crazy as it sounds, Noticing the worry, noticing it as distraction, noticing the distraction early uh, gives you a tremendous amount of control over the outcome. Yeah. And I think that's what, what happens. Like, you know, when everything else is swirling around and you're feeling out of control, having these mech, having these techniques that you, you know, you've been doing for years and years and helping so many different people, having these techniques so that you can you can pull on them from your toolbox, right? right? Because exactly. Dan says, you know, stare in the corner or put your tongue to the roof of your mouth or, you know, take that worry, write it on a car, put it in your trunk, slam it, and you're, you know, come back to it later or worry for five, you know, at five o'clock. Like, you know, you can you can push that stuff to the side. Sure. Um, I mean, anybody, anybody who's a football fan understands the 40-second play clock. Yeah. You know, uh, that when a play, when you have a play and a play is over, it's called down, the quarterback has 40 seconds to get the next play launched. He doesn't have time to ruminate over what didn't go well. Yep. So he has to have a time 
to re- review that. So we'd pick a time at night, you know, whatever time worked. But you could take this whole block of concern and stuff that you'd want to review and take it back to another time when you could handle it, when it's out of the way. So it's, it's scheduling a time for yourself. Yeah. But but the the other the other thing too is that understanding that you're in a team. You don't know how everybody else is dealing with this. So this is why as a team concept. I worked with a soccer team for a year a year. And uh we did a lot of this. Uh helping them not take something onto the field that didn't belong there. You know, a guy has a fight with his girlfriend, he comes in, you know, and so that's that distracts him. You just don't know. Right. I I have I, I had a guy who's a hockey goaltender. He said to me, Doc, he said, I got a problem. I said, What's the problem? He said, I have a girlfriend. Said, okay. <laughs> I said, but I'm waiting for the problem. He said <laughs> he said she's really gorgeous. She looks like she stepped out of a magazine. And I said, I'm still waiting for the problem. He says, The problem, she sits behind my bench and I can see every guy who's trying to hit on her or pick her up or buy her a drink. I said, tell her I saw her picture. I think she's gorgeous, but she's got to sit behind your net. You can't be trying to stop a 100-mile-an-hour puck worried about who's sitting next to your girlfriend. So, but again, we, we, are, we were able to identify that. Yeah, identification is key. Okay, a couple of good comments here, Dan, and we are already at 33 minutes. Goodness. Um, Robert says, absolutely, mindset determines attitudes, behavior, and habits. He also says this profiling concept is very intriguing. It makes so much sense. And compartmentalizing your worries. Wow, very interesting. I, I think Robert, I, we'd, I'd love to have a conversation with Robert. So Robert had my Calendly link after, after the 5th of November. I'll be free to talk to people after we do this. We're doing a golf in the mind game program on November 5th for 100 people as a client attraction business development program. But I'd love to talk to Robert if, if he wants to get in touch with me. Yeah, totally. And Robert, you can find Dan's info or if you want to ping me, I'll give it to you or it's on his website. And then um, Melody says the mindset is what changes everything. It's not just going in with the confidence. It's also with positivity, skills and self-awareness of knowing you fulfill the job. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. And being able to project that to other people. Yeah. Knowing what knowing what you do well and complimenting yourself for doing it well. I mean, you don't have to be bragging to people, but you have to acknowledge how good you you everybody on this call, and I said this before, knows way more than they know that they know. And that's where we talked, and maybe next week we'll talk about unconscious competence. We should. Yeah. We should. <laughs> that was on my I feel like um Oh, Robert said he's going to be in touch. He would love to learn more. So perfect. Um, Unconscious competence is so funny because when we were joining, that was that was what I I was like, what you want to talk about unconscious competence? (laughs) So definitely something that we should talk about next week. Um, And if anyone else has another topic that they would like to talk about, let us know. Dan is on every single Monday. We are at the 35-minute mark, so I want to wrap right now. Dan, you have any final things you want to say to the folks before we say goodbye? Yeah, the basic question I ask everybody is, what do you personally need to have happen right now that's not happening? 
We can help you help the people that work with you, but what, what do you need right now that's not happening? Yeah. And and uh, how quickly do you want it to happen? And slow doesn't work for people anymore. So anybody who wants to get in touch with me, there's a way to make this happen very, very fast. Yeah. Uh, Miriam's asking a question here, but Miriam, we both have to run. So we'll hold on to your question for next week about imposter syndrome. So we'll talk about that. And we'll talk about unconscious competence. Um, and we will be back next Monday with Dr. Dan. Mondays with Dan every single Monday at 11-ish Eastern. Dan, see you next week. We'll see you next week. I can't wait. Yeah, can't wait. Next week could be fun. Okay, so we'll see you soon. Okay, bye, everybody. Bye.